It is day one of spring practice for Syracuse football. That's in the books. We're talking that. Some big news, some names missing from a roster. Plus, we're talking recruiting. It is a loaded day of Locked On Syracuse football coverage. It's your Wednesday episode, and it starts right now. Our Locked On Syracuse, your daily podcast on the Syracuse Orange. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome into Lockdown Syracuse. Happy Wednesday, Central New York and beyond. I'm Owen Valentine, taking you through the morning following Syracuse, day one of practice. And thank you so much for making Lockdown Syracuse your first listen today and every day. We're free and available wherever you get podcasts. And today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. It's the official sportsbook of Lockdown. Make every moment more. Visit fanduel.com slash lockdown today to get started. We are talking day one of practice in the books for the spring. We've got some news to break down in terms of Garrett Schrader. We've got some names missing from the uh, from the squad at this point in time from the depth chart. We have some new numbers in the shakeup. Plus, we've got an interview with John Garcia, our recruiting expert here at Lockdown, breaking everything down for Syracuse in terms of the 2023 recruiting class. Some transfers coming in, the 24 class in the early stages, plus the general state of Syracuse recruiting. You don't want to miss that. But before we get to John, we're going to talk a little bit just about some of the day one vibes. Fun to see Syracuse back in action. Uh, Babers said after practice there is some rust from spring break, and, and maybe some players have to work a few drinks off. Uh, and get back into shape. Uh, he said they're not out of shape. They just got to get rid of some cobwebs. So the boys back in action, seeing some football coverage for the first time. We'll take an audible from uh, the basketball news that we've been getting. As of now, it's a little after 7 p.m. on uh, Tuesday evening. So unless something major breaks, right, there was not anything gigantic in terms of basketball coverage today. So we'll take a look over at football. One of the bigger stories today has to do with just the update on Garrett Schrader's elbow and some some info from there. Emily Liker asked about this in the in the little post-practice press conference. So first time we've heard from Dino in a little bit. And it was interesting to see. So Schrader will miss all of the spring season. And, and per Babers, what the physician said, what the doctor said is when he comes back. This is going to be an equal to better Garrett Schrader than what we saw right now. And so we'll see what happens with that. I don't know if that's a guarantee. He seems very confident, seems very likely. But what it does mean right now is that we're going to get the return of Justin Lamson, which I'm excited for, plus a little bit more with Carlos Del Rio Wilson, both of whom have shown sparks at different points in their career. Justin Lamson had a phenomenal spring season last year del rio wilson had some moments when he came in for schrader this year so both of these guys are are pretty capable backups uh and it will be nice to see what they have in the tank and what they can bring to the table because quarterback depth as we'll hear in our interview uh in just a few minutes is a premium and is sitting all right at this point in time 
for Syracuse. It's good to see. And as Baber said, we can give up 15 practices to ensure that this is going to be a healthy Schrader and to have a better player on the field for Syracuse when spring or when the fall season, when preseason steps up and you start getting those practices that mean a little bit more on the field uh, for Syracuse. A couple of other things, and this was some rumblings from a bunch of different people. Mike McAllister over at SI.com said, uh, I think captured it best, that there were some notable names missing today on the spring roster. Rob Hanna, defensive back, not on the roster. Neil Nunn, defensive back, not on the roster. Uh, Garth Barkley, Anthony Red also on there. And then Jacoby and Morgan, who you saw a little bit two seasons ago, uh, also not on the roster this spring. We don't know any more at this point in time, but that is the news. It's something that happens every once in a while, right? You don't get a real formal uh, announcement. Maybe you'll figure it out as some time goes on, as the season progresses, as your your practices continue on at this point in time and your media coverage ramps back up at this point in time. But right now, we don't know the reasons. I think Rob Hanna is the name that that stands out the most. I mean, this is a guy that a couple seasons ago, he had 50-plus tackles and interception, was really, really solid. And then the productivity, the snaps, the overall aura of him, I guess, started to fade a little bit. And maybe, I don't know if this is transfer, I don't know what it means. Uh, we don't know that detail yet. Uh, but unfortunate to see because that was a guy that, you know, you had some – some expectations for and a guy that you had seen at points in time that could come out and play and be a bigger uh, contributor and another, you know, a guy that offers some experience in terms of, you know, snaps and, and games and against high competition and big time players. And as Babers said in the press conference today, right, that just means you're going to have to put another newer guy in there. And what you miss with that experience is they've already made those mistakes. The oopsies have happened. And you're not quite going to get that this time around when you consider that another experienced piece of that defense is, is hitting the road. And, I mean, it's, it's been loaded. You lose a guy like Steve Linton, Jihad Carter, uh, Deuce Chestnut, all of whom out, gone, right, transferring to bigger, big-name schools, right, LSU, Texas Tech, Ohio State, respectively, some big names. Uh, or not, I did not put that in the right order, but you get the deal, right? They're transferring up. There's a lot of spots to fill. Uh, I did not hear much about them at all, but you know, you, you look to some of your transfers in terms of what you got uh, in terms of replacing Deuce Chestnut, in terms of replacing guys to the NFL, Michael Jones, um, a Garrett Williams, who was out. You already started to see that replacement, but you're bringing in some guys in the transfer portal, Jaden Bellamy, Jaden Gould, a couple other guys, Braylon Ingram, uh, as well, right? You, you've got some names coming in uh, and we'll start to see as things start to, to sift out and in the chaos of, you know, two new coordinators and basically every person here coaching uh, has had some sort of turnover or change uh, in the off season outside of the head man in Dino Babers. So it's interesting, curious to see what happens, where things go from here. Uh, I believe my fun number change, and I didn't look all too much into these. If you're curious, Emily Liker has the full list uh, of numbers at this point in time. The big change is Mr. Dan Villari switching over to number 89 as the tight end spot continues to vamp up for him. And Babers was excited to talk a little bit 
about that and, and see what he can do in terms of saying, hey, let's go. This guy is ready to buy in. He's ready to switch the positions completely. And they got some big plans for him, which is exciting. Uh, it's been a cool couple of days following up the pro day for Syracuse, following up day one of practice. Uh, and so let's take a look, a step back, go a little bit macro after the break here. And we'll bring on our recruiting expert, John Garcia, to talk a little bit about the state of Syracuse recruiting this new class and taking a peek ahead to the early rumblings in the class of 24 uh, with regards to Syracuse recruiting. Before that, let's take a look and hear from our friends over at FanDuel Sportsbook. March Madness is heating up, or the tournament is heating up, and now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook, because new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, super easy to use, and you can bet on everything from the money line to point scores and threes drained. Have some fun. Throw together a same-game parlay. Mess around. Do something cool. String a bunch of them together. Give me rebounds from someone. Give me assists from someone. Give me someone's blocks. Throw the two-by-three in there. Have some fun. Craft an even bigger payout with the same game parlay. So don't miss the chance to get your no sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets. When you go fanduel.com slash locked on, that's fanduel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. We now welcome on John Garcia to the podcast. He is our Locked On recruiting expert with regards to football, Syracuse alum. So we got a lot to talk about. Great to have you on. Thank you so much for joining us today. Always good to be home, baby. I guess we'll start with some non-football news. Just as a Syracuse guy, we'll hit on this. We got a lot happening in the basketball world. What are the thoughts on uh, on the coaching change, the end of the Bayheim era, and, and moving on from that at this point? Yeah, I, I think when you zoom out, you know, it, it's it's something that was was probably a little overdue, w w which is understood and certainly locally, you know, I'm, I'm sure understood even more specifically. Um, the only issue I had with it was when you zoom in, it was just kind of messy, just the the timing, the structure of all of it, you know, what Jim was saying versus what actually happened. You know, th that <laughs> part of it was kind of a, a bit of a funky ending. But I think when you zoom out, you understood that. Uh, change was needed. Um, I, I love to see great programs promote from within, especially when there's long tenured assistance. So I, I think that was the, the correct succession plan. Uh, I didn't know how uh, set that was or how long that had been set. You know, I, I remember two or three coaching waitings ago at this point. Uh, so I, I do like how it worked out thereafter and how immediate Syracuse uh, made it a point to, to promote Coach Autry there. But uh, yeah, obviously sloppy ending to to a remarkable career, and and you know nobody 
nobody represents the the I guess the city, the university, the athletic department, all of it, like uh, like good old Jimmy B did, even when he was yelling at us young reporters, um, even until the last the last season, the last playoff run or the last ACC run, uh, kind of fitting for him but i'm sure he'll still be around the program and and, and pour back into it and that's really sure. um i think the best indicator of of how the university and the city feels about that uh really just monstrous you know contribution that we really can't quantify from a, a time and an effort perspective yeah i think you nailed it there when you zoom in you're gonna see how sloppy it was but when you zoom out you look a few years down the road I don't think we'll be talking about the weird week it was or the weird 24 hours it was of uncertainty right. and chaos and whatever that was. Is there uh, going to we'll be a statue be real quick? It. Let me let me jump in. Are we getting a statue here? And There's if so, be. it's got to be the jacket coming off, right? That's just from my brain. <laughs> yes. That's the first one. If it's not him picking his nose in a meme, it needs to be <laughs> the jacket being ripped the off. I don't even remember what year. Would be an yeah, but it, it's just statue. It's, it's my favorite. Syracuse sports photo of all time. No disrespect to all the legendary 44s and lacrosse players, but it's it's that for me. It was such a big moment. It lives uh, forever, and maybe we get it statued. I don't know if they would ever, but boy, would that be unbelievable if we get that statue. It is uh, it is day one. We'll flip the switch here back to where we uh, where we started. It's day one of uh, from spring practices for Syracuse. So we'll chat a little bit about that. We've got. A couple of new faces coming in right now, but just, you know, I wanted to hit on the, the 2023 class as a whole right now and sort of the offseason that we've seen from Syracuse football so far. A couple of decent names in the transfer portal, obviously lose a bunch of guys to the portal as well. Uh, and then a few names coming in, but this is the worst class Syracuse has had since joining the ACC. So I just, I guess some general thoughts on the 23 class and maybe you, uh, have some more positive outlooks than than my mentality is at this point in time. Well, look, unfortunately, because of the nature of the recruiting calendar, the defections at the end of the cycle were sort of representative and microcosmic of, of the feelings for the class itself. You couple that with coordinator departures and, and, and an on-field product that took a dip uh, on top of all of it. And, and it was kind of easy to pile on there uh, for, for those uh, that, that are, are more critical of what Dino Babers and company accomplished. But I think the pivot to the portal, to me, salvaged a lot about the recruiting class because sure, uh, you know, losing a potential future QB one face of the program in a Lenora Sellers is, is devastating. But as we talked about before air quarterback stability and depth is, is kind of alive and well in central New York right now. So I, I think that, when you zoom out is, is minimized just a little bit. And I love the premium position emphasis through the portal, not only getting guys from big programs, Bama, Notre Dame, et cetera, but hitting premium positions within some of those overtures, you know, you're bringing in corners, you're bringing in safeties, you're bringing in pass rushers an offensive tackle. I mean, this is exactly what I think uh, casually we thought the transfer portal was going to be about, Hey, let's fill some key holes through the portal and build through recruiting. So the numbers in recruiting didn't allow you to be ranked as high because you lost some big time prospects late in the game. Uh, so just 16 high schoolers coming in. But I thought the the handful of portal gets really supplemented that group. But more importantly, positionally, it looks like it could be four for four from a contribution standpoint. And I think that's really how we need to start 
to measure recruiting classes. How many hit the ground running and then two, three years down the line, how many develop into starters, into role players within the scheme? Because there are so many examples of two and three star guys who get to Syracuse with no hype and then boom, out of nowhere, it's Rondé Gatson, it's Sean Tucker, it's it's players who, you know, Ryan Nassib, go all the way back. It's players who begin to define a season or even a run of seasons for, for the Orange. So I, I do think it's a good group. The ending, kind of like with Bayheim, the ending kind of put a sour taste in your mouth. But when you when you look into it as a whole, the portal additions do salvage enough for me, even without a quarterback, uh, to consider it at least – maintenance if not improvement maintenance of of expectation relative to expectation there at SU again losing coordinators and all that multiple assistants really hard to overcome late in the game uh so all of that timing left a bad taste in your mouth but previous to that and since then I think it's pretty stable relatively speaking uh and and you're not going to ask a lot of these guys to hit the ground running which is another good sign of of development and overall program stability yeah, I think when we we talk about it a lot with basketball and uh, how much more effective a lot of the higher level transfers can be compared to uh, your your recruits and the true freshmen coming in. And it's a little bit different with football because of how many, you know, true freshmen you're going to see coming in in a class and thousands of guys coming through. But, you know, the transfer, they have that success. You know what they can do. You've seen a little bit more additional coaching, additional strength, experience, all of that. It can go a long way, and I like the approach there. I like the mindset. Uh, I, I, I'm looking a little bit ahead to 24. Uh, just it's early in the cycle. I mean, Syracuse, they got a guy in Sire Torrance right here, Central New York guy, played at CBA. I watched him play a couple of times this season. Big-time talent, but always hard to tell, you know, watching him go up against high school cornerbacks and seeing sure. what that really says about anything. And then uh, a pair of twins. They did have – an additional guy in Sam Cooper, running back, coming in and decommitting. You know, it's early on in the cycle. They've got a couple of guys visiting this week as stuff goes and, and the season starts to kick up in terms of the spring. You know, just what do you look at in terms of what are some telltale signs of, of a class at, at this point when we're still a few months out from really having to dive into what this class will look like moving forward? I think we're seeing a little bit of a pivot, kind of a natural progression relative to the areas that Syracuse is targeting for for some of these recruits. You know, we, we typically see SU go up and down that that ACC footprint, right, all the way down to Miami, all the way, of course, up to, to close to home. But I think we're seeing a little bit more narrow of an approach, at least early in this recruiting cycle. Of course, all three commits, even the, the kid who decommitted, all kind of from the the surrounding areas, uh, if you will, New York, New Jersey, PA, those type of, of players, which has always historically been the pipeline uh, for, for SU, even the best SU team. So I think there's a bit of a refocus in that direction. Um, and, and I do think SU is going to be a little bit more calculated, but I think this is also reflective of, of everyone. There's not a lot of teams nationally that have 12, 13, 14 commits right now. Everyone is sort of single digits, slower out of the gates because one, they're evaluating their own roster and, and getting ready for that next portal window to open in the month of May, which is going to create a little bit more chaos. And then secondly, you're allowing this group of prospects to fully emerge in the peak of the offseason, which is you know May, June, July, when they're playing their spring football, they're up for visits, uh, they're going through camps and all of those things. So there's a lot of credence uh, to that. So I think relative to the country, 
it's it's not panic time or anything like that for SU, but I am seeing even with targets and visitors a little bit more of a northeastern focus, which I, I don't think is the worst thing in the world. Everybody recruits Florida, everybody recruits Atlanta and the Carolinas, and those are some of the areas where, again, at the end of last cycle, SU got burned just a little bit. So I understand at least initially giving the benefit of the doubt to those a little bit closer to home, uh, especially when you got a CBA guy on board. I think that's always kind of a must uh, for, for every SU recruiting class. So I like the start. The, the brothers from New Jersey are really intriguing players. I think Trishan is kind of a classic old school Big East SU type of runner. Um, and, and then his brother Trevon is is a big modern edge who can do a lot of things. Uh, and then Torrance is, is kind of the do everything receiver. He's not the most electric or the biggest, but he's going to work really well in between the margins, whether it's route running, his ability after the catch, all the things that that have long defined, uh, you know, the the real wide receiver one types at SU. It's never a four two five guy who, who's six foot four. It's always uh, a, a possession guy or someone who's just great there in, in the margin. So I think Torrance has that type of ability. And then you mentioned Sam, the, the former commitment. I, I just saw he's he's going to retake a visit to Syracuse, even though Pitt and a couple other schools are getting involved there. So if you can get him at least back in town this offseason, you feel really good uh, about the direction of the offense because it looks like that's where uh, the bulk of the attention is right now in terms of the class of 24. But, of course, it's very early. Yeah, I mean, it was a weird little thing. We we thought he was there, and then he's gone, and now there's, uh, I, I think it's uh, an early June visit scheduled at this point in time. So maybe he ends up coming back after all, but just a weird little couple of weeks or month or so with that, but is what it is. I wanted to talk a little bit about just sort of the general state with regards to recruiting for Syracuse. I mean, you lose both coordinators. You've got a guy in Dino Babers whose contract is up uh, in another year. Is there, I mean, we just dealt with it with Syracuse and, and football or in basketball. And, right. you know, you had so many coaches in the ear of, you know, Bayheim's not there forever. Bayheim's job is up in the air, whatever it might be. You know, you've had so much turnover. What is that sort of impact in terms of recruiting? Well, yeah, it, it's rough. There's there's really no other way to put it. Uh, you're, you're losing the the two pillars of, of the scheme that you're running and the scheme that led to, Surprising success at different points over the last couple of seasons, particularly early 2022. So when you lose those orchestrators, you 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 take a step back just perceptionally, right? Uh, but I do think the stability of Dino at the top can correct a little bit of that. But like you said, there's still plenty of question marks. It feels like we're, we're back to two or three years ago where there's still plenty of question marks about his long-term stability now there in, in central New York. So I think SU's got to be conservative yet strategic and you know you, you probably want to get out early with, with a lot of these scholarship offers being the first power five or the first acc offer on the table is always going to be sort of the play from su and, and then the second step is really being careful and, and and deliberate with the visitors that you host on campus which is why again we talk about that northeastern focus i think that's smart because it, th these are the kids these are the pipeline areas that understand the brand, understand the history, understand maybe the path to playing time without having to be educated on it like you might have to in, in the southern part of, of uh, the East Coast or even if you go west uh, really in any direction. So I do think that that aligns at least philosophically with, with the recruits that are a little bit more low-hanging fruit because they know it uh, compared to some of that you have to build and sell it on. Doesn't mean you're going to ignore any areas in the footprint 
But initially, I think that's kind of where you have to live and then branch out from there and, and try to rely on what what great SU recruits have always had in common, great evaluations that the staff feels convicted within, despite the other offers, despite the stars next to their name. Go find out, go find players who you really feel fit specifically, intricately what you want to do. And, and obviously you can uh, turn some heads and surprise thereafter, but there's no doubt that it's, it's an uphill climb for SU on the football recruiting front as it always has been in this modern era. And I don't think even just coordinators leaving it's it's not as simple as that as, as to digging into the reasons why. You talk uh, with, with more recruits overall than, than we do on this show. I'm just curious, like what is the, the general vibe around Syracuse when a recruit gets an offer from Syracuse or when they go on a visit, like what is, what is the takeaway from Syracuse? Because it's, it's a tough sell to come to the Northeast and play in the ACC in that way. And a lot of these other factors that we continue to discuss, but what is sort of, you know, for, for your everyday or for your, you know, your typical high school guy that, you know, has this potential and is being recruited by so many different schools in so many different areas. What is the sort of feeling surrounding Syracuse? Well, you're going to sell the ACC. Uh, certainly, you're, you're going to sell that level of competition relative to Saturdays and, and probably push a little Sunday narrative uh, w- within that. Um, and I think when you de- when you deal with the the Texas and, and the Southern recruits overall, you're going to sell the dome. <laughs> you're going to sell that very early and often in the pitch itself and then once you you can get to a visit i think that's where you you see a true gateway between you know a a possible and and even probable at times with these recruits you want to get them on campus particularly in the off season where it's a little a little fairer to to navigate logistically um but you want to get them up to campus and then you can kind of pour into the overall tradition the history and then you could still modernize and encounter that with the potential path to playing time. You know, there's there's not a whole lot of power five schools that are going to go through the type of turnover that, that SU has, particularly last year to this year. So something like that can become one of the more appealing uh, elements to sell. Hey, you're, you're going to have an opportunity to play as a teenager here as opposed to sitting for two or three years and maybe having to hit the portal to go find playing time at another place. We, we want to do it all in one shot here at SU. So give us that opportunity once these kids get on campus, which is why I think the the updated recruiting calendar, which focuses on off-season official visits, is really, as time goes on, going to benefit a program like Syracuse because they could get the bulk of their class not only on campus but potentially committed before the weather turns, before the season really you know hits hits its apex. And then you're just dealing with maintenance thereafter. Still not easy, but the ideal position to be in relative to trying to grab recruits at the end of, of any recruiting cycle. Yeah, and I think you you bring up some good points with with the Sunday pitch as well. I mean, you look at at this year's. They just did a little pro day yesterday. All 32 teams. It was reported it was just 31. Babers clarified today it was all 32 teams in attendance, uh, which you know it, it goes a lot further than that normally would for Syracuse. You got a handful of guys that you know you expect to be drafted, and I think what stands out to me in terms of those draft picks is they're the versatility of positions you're not seeing really overlap on position groups cornerbacks o-linemen running backs linebackers like it is all over the field uh in terms of this conversation i think that can go a long way uh i just i guess to close this out what sort of and you've hit on a handful of them today already what changes 
should Syracuse or could Syracuse maybe make in terms of their approach to recruiting or their overall uh, appeal to players that that might go a long way in terms of grabbing a few bigger guys moving forward? Yeah, I think I think the timing of, of trying to get these guys on campus is going to be paramount for SU always. And I think geographically, um, stretching in another direction, you know, maybe the Midwest, where at one point was was sort of a secondary pipeline area going right in the middle smack dab of, of Big Ten country uh, as the Big Ten programs, Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State stretch further into, you know, Texas and West you know, there might be some room to go into Big Ten country, go into Ohio, go into Kentucky, go go into these states, Illinois, Missouri, and try to pull out some some unearthed gems there. Because I do think the talent in those areas uh, has started to increase just from a, a football recruiting standpoint. So I think you still have to have some boldness in the recruiting strategy, at least from, from a geographical standpoint. Again, it's all going to correct itself as as time goes on. But early on, go take chances on, on some recruits and, and maybe some, some unfamiliar territory while still having that foundation in the Northeast closer to home where there's already been some tangible success. Awesome. Appreciate you coming on. Thank you so much for the time. John Garcia, our locked on recruiting expert. Amazing as always. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. See ya. Thank you so much for tuning in today. It has been a fun one. Always good to catch up with John, a Syracuse alum. Get him in the mix, get his thoughts on everything, a wealth of knowledge, fun to have, uh, and always a joy to bring on the show. If you are looking for more today, thank you for making Lockdown Syracuse your first listen for your second, right? It's tournament time. Head over to Lockdown College Basketball, hear from Isaac, hear from Andy, bring you everything you need to know on and off the court. There's no better time to be tuning into the show than right now because of the big games happening, game in and day in and day out. It's Lockdown College basketball available on youtube and wherever your podcasts if you're looking maybe you're all mood you want to get back to basketball check out right around here another video bring it back to the basketball sphere uh if you like what you hear please subscribe it means the world helps us out goes a long way if you like it and you even want to hear it immediately turn that notification bell on uh then get a notification the second we go live so you don't miss any of our coverage here at locked on and locked on syracuse i'm owen valentine have a wonderful day I will catch you tomorrow with our Thursday episode.